1: Welcome into the latest episode of the 5 Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here, as always, with Chris Winningham. Now that you've found us, make sure that you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider. That way you get all of our old episodes as well as all of our new episodes as soon as they post. Also, check out the other 12 podcasts in our network. Yes, it's 12, and it's soon going to be 14 others. We'll give you some information about that later in the week. But the other 12, of course, include Miami Heat Beat, Three Yards Per Carry, which was first on the Tannehill News twice, so definitely check out their analysis of the Dolphins' loss this week, as well as looking ahead to Thursday night against Houston. Also, check out Swings and Mishes, that's our Marlins pod with Craig Mish, uh, Goldie on Ice with Steve Goldstein on the Panthers, Cinco Arizona Spanish language, and all of the others. All right, we've done some episodes without guests recently, but we wanted to bring in a guest for our episode today. Uh, Actually, one of uh, the people who works over at Channel 7, uh, Jeremy Taché actually is part of our Swings and Missions yes. uh, podcast. So Jeremy's become a, a huge star with us. I don't know how you're going to control him, Steve. But today we have Steve <laughs> Shapiro. You can find him. He can't find it because he doesn't know his Twitter handle. But you can find him Stop it. At, Stop at, it. At, at s Shapiro 7 on Twitter. Obviously, you can find him on WSVN as you'll be able to find him there since 1997, going all the way back to 1990. In this market, and we're gonna have some fun with you, Steve. Wait, wait! You're
2: you're picking on me, and I'm the guest. Well,
1: that's what we do. You're already picking on me right at the start. That's (laughs) what we do. Well, you're you're good at that. We're gonna talk a little (laughs) bit about you at the Tony and Eric event and some of your jokes there about. Oh my God! Yeah, that was fun. Then we'll get into that as the podcast progresses. But one of the things we want to do here is we want to focus on because again, you've been here a while. and we want to focus. We want to focus. It's a nice way of on- saying you're old. Well, right. But I mean, I'm the old guy. That's like you
2: know. That's like saying, "Oh, he's a legend." That's just, that's you know. That's the same thing as saying it. he's friggin' old.
1: So our very old legend here on the podcast today. We're going to cover five different uh, stories that you've covered uh, during your time. Get your recollections on uh, one. All right. One era for each of the five major teams. In this market, and I want to start cool. with you uh, with the Dolphins, Steve. So let's let's go okay, great go there because that was the team and that was the major team in town when you started here uh, in '90. The Panthers and, and Marlins hadn't even have hadn't even been born yet. The, the Heat were three years yeah, old. Yeah, that's right. And the Heat. That's right. And so I wanted to touch on with you with the Dolphins, sort of your recollections of the Marino era, because I, I still feel for people down here who have not had a lot of success to cheer on over the past twenty years that that is the period of time that they remember most finally, So what do you remember about covering Dan?
2: You know what, Ethan? It wasn't just the Marino era. It was the Marino-Shula era too. And that, you know, I was there for the end of Coach Shula's uh, career as well as the end of Dan's career. And what I remember mostly is just, you know, him as a gunslinger in and the, and the Duper Clayton-Marino era And uh, they didn't have a tremendous amount of success. I think they went to the AFC Championship game once when I was there. Lost, I believe, to San Diego. I'm not sure. And how it was unfortunate that I didn't get to see Marino play in a Super Bowl or to play up to the level of his accomplishments in the league. I always thought that, that he was and still is one of the greatest throwers that I've ever seen. And sadly, I think what I will remember predominantly from that era is Marino's last game when he lost to Jacksonville in the playoffs. and I think the score was 63 to 7. Jimmy Johnson was the coach then. And that, that's kind of what sticks in my mind, as well as seeing the numbers that, that, that he put up and the clock play against the Jets. It wasn't so much about him winning a lot of games. I remember that his last game, when he got beat up in uh, in Jacksonville I think it was 63 to 7 you remember the score it was something like it was 62 that 62
0: right? to 7 I know it because it was my first dolphins 62, game as a yeah. fan
2: yeah that was heartbreaking also i think during that game didn't the sprinklers come on or something <laughs> wasn't there something <laughs> I, like that the, like the sprinklers came on it was it was like foreboding like you know like god had a plan or something like this was not going to end well
1: <laughs> Jay Fiedler Jay yeah. threw a touchdown pass in that game against the Dolphins and then we got the Jay Fiedler error right after that Steve so yeah there were a lot yeah of- how
2: about that you know and I see I, I do see Dan around town now you know with some frequency not only at Dolphin games but at charity events and stuff so it's uh it was a privilege actually for me to get to watch him and cover him and to be there and to see him play but I also have enjoyed a relationship with him, you know, uh, afterwards that didn't, the same kind of relationship did not exist with him when he was playing. You know, he was pretty stoic and, and, you know, towed the line and didn't give you too much and you didn't always get a lot of honest responses. And now when I see him, it's more personal and personable and he'll ask about my family. I'll talk about his family. So the relationship kind of grew, which is nice for me but I'll always think of him as uh, as as being one of the greatest. For sure I will, whether he won a Super Bowl or not.
0: Can you sort of relay a, a way in which he's changed? You mentioned the way that he was stoic and, and all that. But uh, to be honest, as someone yeah. who's who's 25 years old I don't, or 26 years old, I don't know a ton about Dan Marino, frankly, either as a player, uh, other than what you can see on YouTube or, or as a person. What, what can you relay for from someone who's known him for such a long time?
2: Well, when he was playing, uh, and it still goes true today, the, do- the quarterback had one day when he would talk to the media and his dan's day was wednesdays and it still is and, and i think they probably exist for most teams now the quarterback only talks to the media once a week and he was and he would have a pr person standing next to him and that pr person would time how much time dan would give to the media and it was very short four or five minutes tops and he would take questions at his locker for you know that brief period of time one time a week. So all you get is football-related questions relative to the next opponent. That was it. That's all you ever got from him. You didn't really see him other than that except for after games. And then after he retired, then it was he, he was more accessible when you would see him out to stop and just have you know general conversations with him, whether it be about himself or football or what's going on in the community or his charities. And again, I would ask him, how are your kids doing? Because, you know, I I got to know his kids and Claire and his wife and his parents. And he, in turn, knew that I was the father of three. So he would say, how are your kids? Where are they? And his son and my daughter ended up going to college together and they were friends. And they partied together. So we had that kind of relationship. And I think we also kind of developed a mutual respect because he played his whole career here. And I've been here for so long that, you know, I, you know, I knew him. As a player, and then as a citizen, and then you know he knew me for so many years for being on television and covering the team. So the relationship changed in a really good way. I'm I'm a lot happier, you know, knowing him now than I did in the uh, in the early 90s when he was
1: playing. Steve, covering it so closely over the years as you have, um, being around so many different coaches and GMs and everything. What in your view has been the problem with the Dolphins in the time that you've covered them? But why are they still stuck in this mediocre place?
2: Yeah, I don't know, man. You know, at the start of every season, Ethan, the start of every season, we sit down in the sports office and we kind of, between the uh, you know the uh, anchors and the producers, and we kind of go through the schedule and we and we predict how the team is going to be in every year. Every year it's seven and nine. Every year it doesn't matter who's playing, who they drafted. It, it just feels like every year they're eight and eight and they're going to draft thirteenth. I, I don't know why that is. Um, I guess. You know, it's, uh, it's easy to point to you know, general man- uh, managerial you know, uh, moves, you know, where the guys who draft the players have not drafted uh, stars. You know, I think that we looked up that uh, something like in the last 15 years that the players that they have drafted have only, there's only been like one or two all pros or something, or one or two guys who were selected to the all-star team, not who played in the Pro Bowl. But who were actually selected because there have been there were injury mm-hmm. uh, fill-in guys like Jay Ajayi filled in once and you know some other guys. But I think there in the last 15 years you can check this. There's been very few, only one or two draftees were selected to play in the Pro Bowl. And um, uh, you know, discounting Indomicon Sue so and guys that they got as in free agency, but you know, guys that they picked in the draft, very few have gone on to be selected to play in the Pro Bowl. So I guess it's it's an easy out to say that's the reason. Then I'm not so sure that, that the coaching changes and the coaching hires that were made were so great. Um, you know, Joe Philbin didn't work out. Uh, what was the other guy's name before they went? The guy who went 1-15. Cam Cameron's Cameron. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's easily so yeah.
2: forgettable. It's, it's, Why would you yeah, need yeah. to know his, his name? His one, his one year was a disaster. So, you know, I, I suppose it's, it's a combination.
0: In terms of their place in the South Florida sports landscape, we want to get to the, to, to more on this later. But uh, you've kind of seen them go from the it team to now a team that, frankly, you look at their last few home games against Detroit and Chicago and and places that would come and travel for a game here in Miami, and there have been a lot of away fans. And their TV ratings aren't as strong as they used to be. What would you say? I mean, obviously yeah. beyond the fact that they've you've predicted them to go seven and nine for the last fifty years their, their kind of place in the town has kind of fallen off how have you seen it
2: I would agree with that but i'm I'm, I'm not opposed to that personally I, I tend to like all the sports equally so when football season ends I don't go into mourning. I'm okay with with hockey and with uh, basketball um, but I think that you're right and I think some of that has to do with the lack of their success and the success of the of the basketball team and the Marlins when they won in 97 and 03 also. Know they won championships, and I think that the town loves a winner, and they they, they're galvanized by championships, and it brings the community together, and everybody lines up behind them when teams win. And the Dolphins haven't done that, but for sure that's the case. As far as the visiting teams, when Chicago came in here two weeks ago, I didn't feel yesterday yesterday against Detroit. I I think there was a majority of Chicago fans wearing black jerseys, and every time, like when when uh, when the Dolphins would fumble. You saw a cheer in the building, and it was odd. I mean, there were a lot of Chicago fans there. And, you know, you can say it's because it's such a transient area, but I think mostly it's because the Dolphins haven't won and people will, even season ticket holders, they'll buy tickets just to go to one or two games, sell the other six to pay for the two that they want to go to. So they sell their tickets to the, you know, to the visiting the fans of the visiting team. And I think that happens a lot, with certainly with the Jets, with the Steelers, um, you know, with the Northern teams, with with the Patriots fans. I think that happens a lot. I think the people in the seats actually got their tickets from Dolphin season ticket holders. I think that's what happened. But it's kind of uh, if you're a Dolphin fan and you're in the building, that's upsetting. You know, when the Dolphins fumble the football, to have you know the building erupt in cheers—that's
1: that's messed up. Yeah, it is. It, what's funny, and I was mentioning this to Chris. I think we talked about this uh, the last game, at the Bears game. Was that Dolphin fans travel really well? So, like, it's not like Dolphin fans don't exist. Like, if you go to stadiums in other cities, you'll see a ton of Dolphin fans. Like, e- even in New York, like they've made it a whole thing there uh, with the take the MetLife takeover. But then here, like you said, it, it kind of works the other way. So it's been one of those strange things. Want to move to another team? Uh, down here, the other football team that people care about, the Canes, um, Shapiro, and they had their run, too. Um, I mean, their run, you could argue, was yeah, impressive.
2: Yeah, they had a good run.
1: Yeah, I, I guess the memories of those teams uh, for you, particularly – uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, the, the 2000s team that, you know, team uh, team probably w- should have won another championship if not for Terry Porter's flag in the end zone. But, yeah, but the, ridiculous. Hur- the, the hurricane, <laughs> the hurricanes and and their place in this market and how that has changed. How How have you viewed that?
2: First of all, I would take those badass guys back today. I don't care what kind of trouble they get in, what laws they were breaking, what rules they were breaking. Those guys were fun. That whole team was fun. The coaching staffs were fun. Dennis Erickson drinking, he was fun. I don't care. I would take all those guys back. That was a fun team, a talented, good team to cover. And I, I, and I wish that, that those guys were still around and still playing and that caliber of player and that attitude of those guys were playing. And that was great know, um, uh, I'll get back to your point, but I just want to say that the one thing I, that I remember clearly that's visual in my mind is I, I want to say it must have been, did they win in 91? Yes. Early in the 90s with Michael Barrow and those, and those linebackers and, and Darren Smith and those guys, they had a parade on Biscayne Boulevard. I don't know if you guys are around to remember this. And it wasn't ticker tape, but they were, there was a lot of paper in the street, and the paper got underneath. They were driving in cars and in, in um, convertibles, and the paper got underneath the cars, and the cars burned up during the parade. You guys remember any of that? No. <laughs> no. It was nuts. The, yeah, they had a fire. Your, yeah. my Abby's Two story. cars burned to the ground during the parade. Is that, no. is,
0: that, is that what led Channel 7's coverage that day? Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> man. I'm sure I did. I was the lead story standing out in the streets with the fire department putting out the cars while they burned while the champs you know were rushed up, but anyway, yeah, yeah, I love those teams and um you know then they get into all the trouble when when Butch came and, and resurrected the program with the Pell grants and all that stuff. And they lost a lot of scholarship and i i don 't think that they 're back you know i don 't think they ever fully recovered they just uh, I, you know they don 't seem to have the depth of quality that they used to have. I think they still get great players and they get drafted and a lot of players do well in the league, but you know, they had guys that didn't couldn't play until the junior or senior year because the guys ahead of them were so good. And I think another part of that is that um, a lot of other schools around the country kind of raid South Florida now, especially when UM could not offer the scholarships that they had, uh, you know, when, the, um, when they lost the scholarships in the '90s, other schools started to come in here from around the country, and kind of was stealing a lot of the South Florida high school talent, and that still exists. I think a lot of kids now go to SEC schools. A lot of kids go to Northern schools. A lot of kids, uh, certainly the Boza kids that go to Ohio State. A lot of kids want to see what the what the uh, far west and the northwest is like. I think Mario Cristobal probably at Oregon now is recruiting down here. So I think that's that's part of the uh, the issue for UM and and for and for uh, Mark Rick. Is to keep the the homegrown kids here, but it's uh, it's not the same. It's definitely not the same, and it's disappointing, it, you know, to see them lose on the road to a very average Virginia team. And it's just uh, that's disappointing.
1: To your point here, I mean, the idea that a very popular former Dolphin who coaches at the number one program or one of the top two or three programs in South Florida. Uh, in patrick sertan and that his son would not go to miami but would go to alabama i mean just i mean again you have the lineage with the dolphins there haven't been that many popular dolphins over the past 25 years patrick was one of them he coaches a prominent team in this market a powerhouse which actually is becoming a sports powerhouse to the point that Dwayne wade's kid is now going up to american heritage and he ends up he ends up sending his kid to Nick Saban. I almost feel like at this point, like Nick's two years here were just one big recruiting trip. Like he was he was basically here to learn about South Florida and to get his kids up to Alabama. But that's to your point, Steve. I, I mean, I'm, I don't know that that's ever going to change back. Like, I, you know, now that that's Well, happened.
2: also, Junior's teammate in the backfield in American Heritage, I can't remember his name now. Yeah, I think he went to Georgia. Didn't he? There was another kid who played yeah, in the an so. all American high school, all American, who I think went to Georgia or LSU. Also went to an SEC school. One of the two. Yeah, but they they come in here and they you know they rob the place. Although you know these other teams win, so you can't blame the kid for going to Alabama. He knows he's going to win, and he's playing, and the team's great. So you really can't fault him. The other thing is, I think with Pat uh, specifically, I think Pat is kind of waiting. To move on from high school and maybe if you know um had said hey you know why don't you come coach here Then maybe the kid would have stayed home you know
1: we'll get back to steve shapiro here in a second but first I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors and that is bet dsi you got to go to BetDSI.com. use the promo code reason 101 that's reason 101 and you'll get your deposit matched up to twenty five hundred dollars chris what are we looking at this week
0: Yeah, you've got NBA going in full swing, games every single night. You can bet spreads, over-unders, money lines on that. Me, myself, this episode going up on a Tuesday. It is the start of Champions League match day three. You can bet any soccer game in the world. I can assure you of that. And the Champions League starts this week. Obviously, Thursday night football with the NFL. All kinds of great stuff on BetDSI. Be sure to use the promo code REASON101 to get your deposit matched up to $2,500.
1: Well, talking about a team that did get the right coach, so you were down here uh, at the time. You weren't working for seven yet. You're working for four, but when Mickey Arison hires Pat Riley. and we talk yeah, about that this, was great. Yeah, we talk about this town changing um, with, with the three championships and with the big three era, which is an era that I don't think will be repeated, not just here, but anywhere, honestly, in terms of what they dealt with. But just sort of your overall reflections of Riley's tenure here, Wade's tenure here. Shaq, LeBron, and and everything the Heat have done to become—I mean, what is for people under forty in this town, Steve? I, I mean, it's a Heat town. Like, I—I I, I know if the Dolphins ever win, that that may flip, but that's the that's the team that that winning is associated with down here. So, what are your reflections? Yeah, about? not
2: just that, but I, I think for kids also, when they can see athletes' faces and see what they wear, that makes a big difference to the younger generation. You know, the whole uh, shoe thing and and uh, you know all that. The gear that kids buy, and they can actually see the faces and the bodies of the of the guys who wear that stuff. That makes a big difference to kids, and I think they rally behind basketball players because they're so you know they're so visual, they're so in your face. But just in terms of winning, you know, Pat certainly made the heat a destination. Game. This is a, a city that uh, people wanted to come to, athletes wanted to come to, basketball players not only because of the weather, but because of uh, reputation and. <clears throat> Uh, first, the organization being first class in everything it does. Pat got it, the new building built, the American Airlines Arena. Um, so it became a destination city and very attractive to free agents. Not so much in the last four or five years, but, you know, certainly with, with Shaq and LeBron and, and Chris Bosh and and those guys. And, uh, you know, Pat's just, you know, that story about, you know, throwing the rings on the table and say, you know, look what we got. Get, you know, come here and get one of these. That's uh, that makes a big difference. That's a gigantic impression. He's just a class guy. And he's smart, and he talks up to people, not down to people. And he's obviously a great basketball mind. Um, the players respect him. They get in line behind him. I remember when, when Alonzo Mourning came. You'll remember this, season. You know, he was a jerk when he first came here from uh, Charlotte. Mm-hmm. He didn't like the media. He didn't want to be bothered. And Pat said, "That's not the way we do it here." You know, the media is important you know and Pat was also the guy who brought all the stars in and sat him at courtside to be visible that this this was you know the heat games were an event and uh and everybody just uh got in line for him and it's still that way by the way it's still his team it will always be his team and and you know Spolster is a disciple but just the attitude uh you know and the personality of the team and the players um and the care that they have for each other and the city and, and the organization and the franchise because they're treated that way by Pat, and people want to play here. And they'll do it again. They'll figure it out. They'll get somebody here. might be this year. You know, it,
0: it, it might be Jimmy Butler. But I wanted to ask you, might when be. when did you first notice the difference? When did you first notice that Heat games were not just this new team and this new thing and Pat Riley's coaching? And When did you first notice that – Oh no! The, the Heat are actually the, the you know the lead the the top of the news broadcast the top of the sports landscape here in South Florida.
2: Yeah, I think there were, there were two things that happened: one, they got the new building, and two, that they got Shaquille O'Neal, and those were, you know, were were two big things that Pat uh, accomplished here. So I think you know that's for sure. But I will tell you that even in the early '90s, uh, when the Heat were only two, three, four years old. Um, those guys were really good guys. The Ron Rothstein coach teams, the Kevin Lockley coach teams, the, the players, uh, were really good guys. And I thought that they really played hard. They weren't that talented, but the you know, the Grant Longs and the uh, John Thungolds and uh, you know, guys like that, they, they were really fun guys to be around and they really played hard. And I, I've always liked that organization. The coaching staffs were good, the coaching staffs were good with the media. Um, um so, I, you know, it, it, it's not just what Pat has accomplished and the success that he's achieved since he got here in the mid-90s, even before him. It was a I, – I liked the team. You know, I just – I liked the organization. I liked everything about it. even in, in the old Miami arena. It was a uh, – you know, it was just a it, – it was an easy, comfortable uh, – team to cover for media members
1: yeah i agree with you on that i, I think that's always been the case honestly there, there's a professionalism that that organization uh carries itself with typically um that i don't know that all the other, or other organizations always have and, and i think it stands out um and i think yeah I, in some way, yeah I think in some ways the other organizations have gotten better um I feel like the Marlins are turning a corner now. I, I feel the Pan- Panthers have become extremely accessible, and I think some changes with the Dolphins have been really positive. But but I, I do think that the Heat has been uh, the standard organization here for for a very long time. And it, it you know again, I wasn't covering the my first year was '96. It was right after Pat came in, so I wasn't I I was a fan of the other teams. I wasn't uh, covering it, but I've always kind of gotten that sense all right Steve. want to pivot here to number four uh which is the marlins uh, who have probably the weirdest history of any team anywhere uh which is which is that they've been a a perennial embarrassment except for two years um and those two years they happen to win the world series so which of the which of the two was your favorite uh run was it was Uh, it 97 or was it oh three It was the 03 team,
2: selfishly, though. And first of all, you know, the the Marlins came from the wild card spot. Both those years, they've never lost a playoff series, never. So, uh, but it was 03 because in 03, Fox, Channel 7 is an affiliate of Fox, had the National League Championship Series and had the World Series. So I was working for the network that broadcast the game. And smartly, my television station programmed around the games, pre-game and post-game shows. Everybody in South Florida was watching Channel 7. So it was totally selfish. But I do remember that in 03, when they were down to Chicago playing at Chicago and had to win the last two games, when they beat Chicago there and had uh, clinched the World Series and were going to play the Yankees, it was like 1 o'clock in the morning. We were still on the air, and I'm standing in Wrigley Field on the field, which was so cool doing a post-game show with Jeff Conine and we're both, and we were in a commercial break and we're both looking at each other thinking, did this, did this just happen? Are we really going to the show? Did this happen? You know, because it it wasn't supposed to happen, but it did. And that was a great, great run. And just just a funny aside to that story. They sent me from Chicago to New York, but I wasn't planning to go to New York. I was planning to come back to Miami. So I had to call somebody in our newsroom and get a key left for them in my building. And they sent a girl, a woman, to go to my building, get a suitcase, pack the suitcase for me, FedEx it to New York. And that's uh and then I covered the World Series in New York. that's amazing. crazy, but it was the o three it was o three I loved ninety seven that was great um unexpected fun uh didn't enjoy the players on that team as much as I enjoyed the players in o three but uh just selfishly because we had the games, and you know our share of the audience I think was eighty percent for the World Series. so we were crushing it
0: yeah that, that that's incredible okay, can you feel? the different now obviously it, part of being in the media is you want to be heard and seen by the most people as as possible for that moment which is why i imagine like doing those you know quick post game shows after dolphins games is fun because everyone just just watched the game and now there you are but when when you're saying that 80% of south florida that's watching television is watching you can you feel the difference yeah. and, and and when you come back what like what does that feel like that you're almost in a way associated with the <laughs>
2: Marlins winning the World Series. That's exactly right, Chris. It, it was a sense that I was part of the team, and I do feel it immediately because everybody is talking about the game or the event or the outcome, you know. And it made me r- more relevant, and a lot more people will come up to me in the community when I'm just out and about and say one that they saw me and two, what about the you know what about the outcome of the game? What about the game itself? And when the Marlins were on that run and we had the game, then. Everybody was watching us, and it made me way more relevant, and I had a lot more notoriety in the in the community. Certainly, a lot more than we're watching our newscast, which was number one at the time. But still, we were uh, we had like, I think a 56 rating and an 80 share or something. Just everybody was watching the Marlins, and it was really fun. And I'll tell you something. Else. The guys were good guys. Mm-hmm. Those were the um, you know, Mike Lowell and Jeff Conine and those guys. The 0-3 team were just really good guys. The '97 team was a little different. A lot of those guys were pricks, you know. The, uh, you know, the, the Bobby Bonilla and uh, Moises, uh, the pitcher Brown and uh, Mo- she- well, Moises was just okay. She- but she- you know, she- a lot of those yeah. guys. Yeah, Sheffield wasn't a bad guy. Sheffield wasn't a bad guy, but you know, they were just kind of they were kind of spoiled. You know, they knew that they were brought in there to to do what they did, and um, you know, I don't know, they just uh, they weren't easy. But the 03 team, the guys were really, they know that they had over accomplished, and and you know, they were really happy, and they were happy to you know to engage the media, and they were just, it was good, it was just fun, it was it was great. I really enjoyed. I'll always remember that you know, That was it was a really fun time for me.
1: Well, the thing about that team, too, is uh, people like slept on that team because, like you said, they kind of came out of nowhere. But when you look back at the names that were on that team, like, I mean, having Miguel Cabrera as your cleanup guy uh, is not a bad thing as it turned out. Right. Like, I mean, having 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 Derek, Derek Lee at first base, Louis Castillo at second, Lowell. Uh, you know, Conine. I mean, that was, I mean, that was even Encarnacion in right field was a pretty quality player. The pitching staff. Look
2: I mean, at you, Ethan. Look at you pulling those names out. Well, well, I, was, years I, I, ago. well
1: I was, I was there. I, I will say that's one of my favorite runs too. You know, for all, you know, the big three stuff obviously ranks first for me. Cause I was there home and road every game. But, but if you look at that, that world series run, I was at the Sentinel at the time. And so we had four um, people covering all of it, which was myself, uh, Hyde, Veradino, who's now moved on to Minnesota and, uh, you know, may rest in peace, Juan, Juan Rodriguez, who was a great uh, yeah. guy. Uh, and so the four of us were covering everything. But what happened was, since, since they had covered primarily the Marlins, I was assigned to everything else. So I was taking flights back and forth from Chicago to Boston to New York, uh, going to, it was funny, like, Pro, I don't even know what it was called at the time, Pro Player or whatever, but that was like the outlier. You had you had Wrigley, Fenway, and Yankee Stadium, and I was going back and forth Great. between those three places, and was actually in right field drinking my sixth hot chocolate when Aaron Boone hit the home <laughs> run uh, against the Red Sox. So that that whole playoff yeah. run really stands out, and I was there at Yankee Stadium um, interviewing Robin, the late Robin Williams, on the field before uh before the oh, game wow. where where the marlins uh, by the way if you're ever going to interview robin williams and i know no one can do it now don't do it without a tape recorder just don't it's just it's
2: <laughs> not it's uh, i'm I, I trying you know to
1: what? scribble his jokes on a notepad uh not not a workable thing but i was there when loria uh ran around the bases uh, i don't know if you you saw that it ran around the bases after i they did won, i you won know won what series. i
2: did the same thing <laughs> I believe you did. <laughs> I ran, I ran yeah. the bases during the post game show. I did, yeah. Yeah. That was and by the know. way, I, 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 don't know if I can one up you, but that same World Series, I met Billy Crystal and Billy Joel.
1: That's pretty good. Not bad. That's pretty. Good. How about Not that? At all all right, all right. I'm going for one more. That's pretty cool. Oh, no. one, one more <laughs> than Shapiro. <laughs> oh. no, we're going <laughs> to one up one more after the Yankees lost, after the Yankees lost, I got lost in Yankee Stadium because I had I'd I'd been to a lot of games there as a kid, but I, I had never covered a lot of games there. And so I'm in Yankee Stadium and I get in an elevator and the only person in the elevator is Brian Cashman and he looks at me and I, I look at him and he nods okay this is right after marlins <laughs> one and i said i said where are you headed and he said to see the boss and he went up because the, oh the boss, no the, the, the <laughs> boss the, bo- the, the boss i wrote a column about it the boss was still alive at that point george steinbrenner um, yeah, yeah. on an elevator to go see the boss after this upstart marlins team one on his field and this Lunatic Jeffrey Luria is running the bases in Yankee Stadium <laughs> after Jack McKeon decides to pitch Josh Beckett. <laughs> Today's press, I, I I don't know. Th- I mean, as crazy as the Big Three Heat error was, I don't know that anything will quite top that. So, um, yeah, it was a pretty pretty. I can
2: actually, heat. I can see you and raise you another one. Okay, Sarah Jessica Parker.
1: Ah, you met her there. That How was at the, that. That was
2: a, that a, was at the height of the Sex height. in the City. That's right. No, no, no. That was also at the game. I was. Uh, running back and forth from outside the stadium where the live shots were to the locker room to do interviews. I was running back and forth and I came around the corner and I was running and she was coming around the opposite side and I smashed into her.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but Steve, at the NBA Finals, have you ever waited behind Rihanna to use a porta potty? <laughs> <laughs> no. Is that you? You did that. that that's me. Have <laughs> you have you ever been in Homestead Motorsport? Wait, Speedway? wait, wait.
2: Rihanna, I, Rihanna pees
1: outside. <laughs> she used a porta potty inside, like the tunnel area at uh, at <laughs> a, in Oakland. I was covering the NBA Finals. This is 2015 Warriors Cavs. Uh, while Kyrie Irving's father was screaming at uh, at at David Griffin and Cavaliers management for why David Blatt had played Kyrie so many minutes, and he blew out his knee, I went to the bathroom and I was waiting behind Rihanna to use the bathroom and also one time needed to use the bathroom at Homestead motor speedway waited for 15 minutes for my a stall God. and out comes Brett Favre. So I, those, those are my, two bathroom sto- yes, those are my two bathroom stories. I don't know how we those got are Pretty this. good. Yeah. Uh, you got should, me. We should you do win. this.
2: Again. You, you win the pot. You
1: win the pie. I'm, I'm, I'm,
0: I'm totally fine unplugging my microphone and just listening to you guys swap stories. I, can, can we just do that, please?
1: That Those those were the good old days. We'll get back to Steve Shapiro here in a second, but first want to tell you about another of the great sponsors on the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is the Bet. QL app. You've got to download it for free on iTunes if you're Apple, Google Play if you're Android. The reason that you need to do this is you don't want to bet blindly. You wouldn't go to the stock market and just pick out any stock. You don't want to do this when you gamble on sports either. Find which way the line is moving, which way the public is betting, and also get exclusive analytics. Chris, what are you seeing on there? This
0: week on BetQL, you look at week number eight in the NFL. The Dolphins are actually one of the free games this week that they offer data on. Obviously, not a ton of data available right now. They do have the Dolphins being favored in terms of public betting. Uh, 64% of the action and 74% of the sharp better action uh, is on the Dolphins right now at plus seven. They're seven-point underdogs against Houston on Thursday night football, and they view the Texans to be six-point favorites so not a great lean where they do have a great lean is in the london game a third consecutive london game it is sir blake bortles and the jacksonville jaguars taking on the philadelphia eagles the eagles are three-point favorites they believe the eagles to be 11 point favorites in the game so they have a strong lean on the philadelphia eagles for data like that and much more visit the bet ql app
1: all right, and now the Panthers, part five. Um, any any memories of that night? Because I will say this, I I will give you guys credit for this. Um, I have always felt that Channel Seven um has done the best job on the Panthers. Uh, I I feel yeah. like a lot, I feel like a lot of 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 the other outlets in this market uh, pretty much now all of them actually uh pretty much ignore the panthers i mean there, there's a couple of yeah. of radio shows that hawk does a good job with them there there are a couple of shows that do some stuff but but i have felt like for the most part that you guys have been the one D- depots there a lot um I, I feel like you guys have always taken them seriously but ninety six. Um, that was the first team I ever covered. Actually, was that Panthers team? Wow. A- any any memories of that that stick out to you?
2: Yeah, let me just uh, just go back to something you said. I think one of the reasons that we Channel Seven um, have always been on the Panthers bandwagon is this, You know, I'm from Boston. I'm a Northern guy. I'm a hockey guy. Mike's from Ohio. Mike De Pasquale, and he's always been a hockey guy. So I think that's you know we kind of probably control that a little bit. I'm not sure if the guys at the other stations you know follow hockey as as much as we have as being lifelong hockey fans from the, from the North, from the Midwest. Um, yeah, well, of course, the, you know, the, the whole rat thing was just phenomenal, but they also had a great coach. Doug McLean was a great guy, just a great guy, just fun. I can remember doing Sports Extra, a Sunday night uh, sports show from his living room a couple of times. So we would do the whole show with him in his home. That would just never happen now. He was just a fun guy. And the players on the team. Historically, I think that hockey players are just easy guys to deal with. They're articulate guys. Um, they you know, they like the media, they want the exposure that the other teams get, so they're uh, you know, they welcome us. Um, but those guys, the, you know, Mellonby and Lindsay and Scroodland and all those guys and, and Van Beesbrook, they were just really easy guys. And it was just fun. They were the underdogs being knocked off uh, you know, historic. Uh, NHL teams with, with the Bruins and, and Pittsburgh, and uh, you know, on, on their way to the finals, they didn't do so well in the finals. But and the Rats, and it was just, it was just fun. It was just a really, really good time. I'm, you know, I wish that they they could have finished stronger. They got swept in that series against the Rockies. But um, but the it, no. What is no, it? The it, avalanche?
1: No, it was the avalanche. Well, uh, it was the, the avalanche. It bowl. was the avalanche. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But that, that was yeah, uh, um, yeah, that, that was an amazing game, though. Like, I, I mean, when you, that one nothing, a battle between Van beesbrook and Patrick Wah, um that went yeah. three, three overtimes at the old arena. That's one thing I wanted to ask you, actually, in our last part, but I'll get to it now. So what has been your favorite? We've actually had this debate on our DM string. Um, that's a Twitter thing, Steve, just to let you know. We had our debate on, on our DM <laughs> string about, uh, about favorite, uh, favorite building uh, down here, favorite arena, stadium, best food, uh, best place to watch a game. Of all the places oh, down man. here, what is, what is number one for you? Because the Miami Arena was a oh, terrible building, but it had some charm, actually.
2: Yeah I would agree with that and and you could park close to the building which was good um and you you really felt close to the ice and close to the court and I like that but I like the orange bowl you know I used to like going there you know even even uh, when you pull up no blocky and you know, you're trying to find a parking <laughs> space in somebody's yard and then promising you that you could drive out and then you get you, you get there in your four cars deep but uh I used to like going there you know the building just just vibrated physically and literally, and and it was just fun to be there. And the energy was so great, and you just felt that the home team was going to win. Uh, I never saw the Dolphins play there, but um <clears throat> you know when the Canes played there, and they I think they they won fifty eight straight home games, right? There, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it was fifty six or fifty eight. You just felt like you know the building had some input into the outcome of the game. So I really enjoyed going to the games there, believe it or not, because the place was pretty much a pit. And, you know, the bathrooms were awful. You're talking about bathrooms. They were awful, and the food wasn't great. But you felt the energy, and you felt you know, that, that the team that you were there to cover was going to win.
1: Let's go through some rapid fire. How about fire. that? You didn't
2: think I was going to say that, did you?
1: I, I, I did not think you were going to pick a building that no longer exists, but that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> so so let, let's, let's go through some rapid fire here with Steve. Um, you've mentioned a couple of these, but who was the worst character you ever had to cover down here? Oh,
2: man. Some me, sour guys. Sour guys. Yeah. Um,
1: oh,
2: shoot. I, I had a run in with Bobby Bonilla once. You know, I mentioned him earlier. Um, I was doing a story on bats, And w- when I was in the clubhouse, they delivered a, a shipment of bats to his locker. He wasn't there. He wasn't standing there. So I, I kind of took a bat out of the box that was leaning into his locker and I I held it in my hand. And just then he came around the corner. And he went crazy. We can curse, right? Yes, yes please. We, it's a podcast. Yes. Yeah. So I'm I'm standing there with his autograph bat with his model, and he walks in and he says, Get the fuck out of my. In fact, get the fuck out of this room. Don't just get the fuck out of my locker. Get the fuck out of this room. He starts screaming. So I remember that distinctly. But, um, you know, I think generally, you know, the guys have been okay. The guys have, the guys have been all right. I, get, I could much sooner probably think of guys I really enjoyed covering them than the guys that were sour.
1: Yeah, let's do that. So, so give me, I mean, you've mentioned a couple, but give, give me a couple that maybe people m- might not come Mike Lowell,
2: one of my all-time mm-hmm. favorites. Still is, still talk to him, still have a relationship with him, loved him as a player, loved him as a person, as a father. Really, really good guy. Mike Lowell is right up there. Zach Thomas, mm-hmm. right there with him. Always enjoyed him. Honest, uh, <clears throat> you know, hard, tough player. Played so hard. And even uh, along with him, Jason Taylor was always honest, gave you a good answer, an an articulate answer. I've enjoyed him. All those hockey players from the mid-90s were great. Hockey players are just generally, uh, you know, really, really easy to talk to. Um, Shaquille O'Neal was fun, just fun, you know, just made you laugh, always available. You know, I've had this discussion with with, uh, different, PR guys, and you know when they'll tell you that. Well, you know the quarterback's only talking on Wednesday. All right, and I would say to them, you know who's the biggest star in this town? Oh, I don't know. That would be LeBron James. Well, LeBron James talks every day,
1: twice a so day. You're going to tell me this?
2: <laughs> yeah, twice a day. Twice you're gonna a You're going to tell day. me this quarterback can only speak to me once every seven days, and the best player, the best athlete in the planet talks every day? Makes sense of that for me. But uh, yeah, I think those guys, Lowell and 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 Zach. They're, they're way way up there when I have a retirement party I hope they'll come because uh, I really respect them and I you know I'd, I'd want to say goodbye to them
1: uh, one Zach story I always tell which tells you who he is and by the way he should be in the Hall of Fame um, soon. Uh, yeah, and, you and, know, and, we
2: should start something for him, by the way. We, I know Dave Hyde's on that bandwagon. So yeah, and congratulations yeah. to Dave, by the way, getting into the Broward County Hall of
1: Fame. Yeah, no, it's great for Dave. And and he's been on the pod, too, and, and we want to have him again. I, you know, with Zach, um, I, I mean, Erlock, his numbers are better than Urlacher's, and Erlocker's in already. Yeah. So, so I, I, I feel Zach should be in. But I always tell this story about Zach because it tells you who he is. On the day that he got cut, okay, and the Dolphins, as they did under the Parcells Ireland regime, never did anything right. Uh, and they did it kind of unceremoniously. On the day that he got cut, I was actually teaching a class that day down at St. Thomas University. And so Zach couldn't reach me. He was trying to call me so that to make sure I had everything I needed. He left me four, four messages in about 90 minutes. And I wasn't the only one, by the way, there were three or four other beat guys. That he did the same thing for, but just imagine any other athlete doing. And it was it was just really so that he's like, is there anything you need? Do do you you know do you need a comment from me on this? And it wasn't because he wanted to rip the organization. He just wanted to make sure uh, that he took care of the guys that he felt to taking care of him through the years. It's just he's a total very nice one 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 of Class a kind. Guy. You know, in in my top five. We've got an announcement for you on the Five Reasons Sports Network. We have another watch party. Now, ignore the fact that we are 0-4 in watch parties. We've seen the Dolphins lose twice, the Heat lose, and the Hurricanes lose. It'll turn around at some point, Ethan. It'll turn turn around at some point. We're going to win one. Probably not this Thursday night. But Thursday night, Thursday night a Township in Fort Lauderdale. Now, this is a new restaurant. It's right where Riverfront is. It's on the corner of Las Olas. And Andrews, if you're familiar with Tilted Kilt, it's in that space. And they've really done a nice job with it. And we've got drink specials. We've got food specials. We've got beer specials. We've got pretzel specials. they got 20% off their great pretzels all night long. And we're going to have giveaways. So we're going to be giving away five reasons. Hats. We're going to be giving away Miami heat beat shirts. We're going to have hosts there. We're going to be giving away Devonte Parker for a conditional seventh round pick. If you get there early enough, to <laughs> give us that seventh round pick. So come out to township. We're going to get out there starting at around seven o'clock. It's going to be a great crowd. They've got big, big TVs. It's a great space Hosts from a lot of the different podcasts in our network. We can complain about the dolphins together, drink, eat, and win free stuff. All right, we're going to get to a couple more quick things. Wait, wait, wait,
2: wait, wait! Yes. Can I can I see that? Can I see that and raise that?
1: Yes, see it and raise it.
2: All uh, right, real real quick. <laughs> in 1996, I got fired by CBS. Everybody did. CBS sold to Westinghouse. Westinghouse came in, cleaned every station out, and and I was part of that you know that purge. So I get fired. I got two phone calls too, from people I did not expect to get phone calls from. Dave Dombrowski and Dennis Erickson called to say they were sorry. Okay, back to
1: you. Pretty That's good. Brilliant. That's great. Uh, all right, one more. On uh, the night my daughter was born, should I do this, Chris? Oh God. We, I, <laughs> Ethan, you really? Oh God. Uh, I got a DM from LeBron. Anyway, let's uh, let's uh, let's let's move Whoa! on. Yeah. I... I... <laughs> All right. And then I asked him if there are any Cleveland restaurants that he recommended because I would be seeing him up there shortly. Anyway, (laughs) um, all right, let's get to a couple more things about your career uh, because I want to get to this countdown that you have here. Uh, But what, what in your view, are the best and worst things about the way that the business has changed, the media business?
2: Um, I don't know if there's any best anymore. Because the industry is uh, going in the, in the same direction that newspapers and terrestrial radio are, are going. They're going in the wrong direction. It's going south. People are not uh, reading, tuning in to local broadcasts and newspapers the way that they did in, in the 90s when I got here or when I started in the business in the late 70s, really, in the business. And that's a great disappointment, and it's, uh, it's sad for me. I feel badly that I'm not leaving this industry next year in a better position than when I came into it in the late 70s. I, I don't know if the industry is going to be there for people in their 20s who are getting into the business now. Viewership for us is way, way down um, Across the board in, in any commercial television, and uh, you know, uh, uh, primetime television and newscasts, um, you know, it's just uh it's fractioned by Netflix and streaming and podcasts and people just aren't tuning in. And that's that's really, really it's sad that <clears throat> that the industry is is not going in a good direction and, and salaries have come way down and um you know, when I first got into the business fifteen percent raises, annual raises were common. Now if you get a one percent raise you just get to keep your job. That's a you know, that's uh you, you know, that's good. You're trending in the right direction. So, you know, I've got a little over a year to go and it's, it's time to go because it's uh, it's just not the industry I got into.
1: It's not as much fun.
2: Um, You know, it's just, uh, it's just not what I'm, used to or want to
1: continue doing all right let's get to something a little lighter here for the last part that made Um, me sad i want i want steve shapiro to leave to leave this industry happy how can how can we turn this around for you you want a podcast we'll give you a podcast on my
2: on my on my last day it'll be happy that will not be a sad day that'll be a happy (laughs) proud day you know the other thing is guys honestly it's very difficult in, in my end of our business to leave under your own power to cross the finish line yourself but usually you know i'll be 65 next year at this point people are looking to get rid of you they want to get younger they want to get cheaper um so that at that point next year i'll have 40 years in the industry 30 in the market and i'm leaving on my terms everybody says yeah you're short no i my last contract i gave them an end date and they and they did that for me so i'm really happy and proud of that and also when i go. You know, I'll toot my own horn a little bit. When I leave, I will be the longest tenured local sportscaster in Miami local news history. So I'm really proud of that. It's, uh, it's hard to do this. It's hard to survive that way, especially for women. Women in our business, you know, they get a little older, they get gray, they, they, you know, they gain a few pounds, they get a few wrinkles, and they want to throw them out for the next, you know, little chickie and it's uh it's a difficult business to survive in so uh, i'm really i'm happy that with the way it went i'm happy that i'm, I'm going to get to the finish line and uh i had you know i don't have any regrets
0: that's why that's why when we call you a legend steve we're not calling you old you are a genuine legend in this market
1: yeah you're only saying that cuz it's true Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and because we're giving you a podcast um i right, last last one here uh steve I I think I know the answer to this, but I'm gonna let you give it. The one joke because you MC a lot of stuff in this town. Um, you you do. Yeah. Uh, Joe Rose does. Joe tends to mock me whenever he sees me at these things. Uh, Jason Jackson do does. Good. Yeah, I mean, it's Will best, does. Something. By the way, Jay Jack's the best. The best. Yeah, he, he's he's incredible. Uh, and and he's and so these guys. I mean, you see the same four or five people around here emceeing a lot of these charity events. You've done some of it. Um. I remember one in particular but I'm going to let you do this. Is, is there one or maybe two jokes at one of those events that you'd like to have back?
2: No. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, I always I always ask of athletes what I want to give from the other side and that is, you know, be yourself and be honest. Be yourself and be honest. I don't want anything trite, I don't want, you know, I want to know what you feel, I want to know what you think and I want your opinion. And I want you to be honest. So, when I do that stuff, when I'm given that, you know, that platform, I want to be the same way and so when i was uh i was honored by uh eric reed and tony fiorentino with their uh, last call award for broadcaster of the year you know i said well look, i gotta make this you know i want to be entertaining and funny but i want to be honest so i knew i have a pretty good or i had a pretty good relationship with heat coach eric spolstra and i knew his then girlfriend because she went to high school with my kids now eric I think Eric's like what in his mid forties, so he's
1: yeah. he's
2: eighteen years younger than me, but his wife wants to be thirty years younger than me. I don't know, she's a lot younger. So I, I'm standing up there and he's sitting right in front of me. He's I'm on a platform and he's on the stage and he's looking right at me, he's right in front of me. And so and my children were there. So I said, you know, I love to come to uh I to heat sponsored events and I love to bring my children to heat events because I know that way that Eric Spolsper's dates will always have someone to play with.
0: Oh, my God.
2: That's that's how that went. (laughs) And it it, it got a big roar in the audience. Yes, it did. But about, yeah, and I looked at him, and he was laughing, but about three days later, I got a handwritten letter from Tim Donovan, who is still today the vice president of communications for the Heat, and he, he says, I don't understand why you did that. You and Spo have always had a good relationship. And, you know, I, I talked to him, I talked to Eric and we're cool. And I talked to Nikki, I talked to his now wife and she was always good with it. But, uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll. I think I'll always be remembered for that. I don't regret it. It was funny. It got a laugh, and that's why I was up there. I
1: remember. I laughed. Uh, I, I will say. And and now we know that it's not just people in our network who are getting handwritten notes from Tim of these days. So that's that's good. <laughs> if, if, if 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 even a legend in the business could get one, Steve, we really enjoy this. Uh, congratulations. Well, as we tape this, what is the day uh, number until you retire? Because I know you know it off the top of your head. It, it-
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the last day of next year. So it's December 31st of next year will be my last day at Channel 7. That's the plan. Um, and so what is that? One year, two months, and eight days or something <laughs> like that? Who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> so, listen, before we go, I'm hearing really good things about what you're doing. We had uh, five reasons. So I know people are tuning in and people are signing up. I've done it, I've listened, and uh, I know a lot of people are doing the same. So thanks for having me on and continued success.
0: This is the 5 Reasons Sports Network, Miami sports on demand. We now have 13 podcasts in the network, posting roughly 15 times per week, all absolutely free. Find all of our shows on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Podbean. Plus, become a member of our patron feed and you'll get even more fresh content. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Here's some of what you missed last week on Cinco Razones when they talked to George Sedano.
2: No, está frustrado. No, yo lo entiendo. Yo entiendo. Y, y Pat Riley también está
1: frustrado. <laughs> Van ya dos veces que le ha colgado el teléfono a Tom Thibodeau y le ha dicho que se vaya para el carajo. <laughs> eh.
0: If you want to get involved as a sponsor or a contributor, reach out to us at Number Five reasonsports Sports on Twitter. Don't forget to punch Five Reasons in your search bar and then hit subscribe.